Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm kind of a big deal. You may have heard of me, Jesse Cornwell. I'm Brenton Williams. And I'm Jeremy Duvall. That's right. We have a cavalcade of minor internet celebrity in the uh, cast. Happy to have both Jesse, as you guys know from Mastercrafted, and Brinton, who, if you've been following, has been doing a bunch of great um, sort of state of the meta and various other articles on Dash 28. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a couple different things. We're going to get an update from Jesse on all things Mastercrafted. And then as we uh, after that, we're going to go into a preview on the Bay of Kings, which is, as many of you guys know, is our big tournament that happens here in the San Francisco Bay Area. But first, before we get to all that goodness, let's do a quick uh, around the hobby table to see what people are up to. Uh, Jesse, what have you been up to hobby wise? I've just been kind of coasted right now. I've I've been collecting models. I want to do Basileas for third ed along with my ogres. Gotta have that. Gotta, gotta always have my babies, my ogres. And um, right now I'm just kind of struggling with the color scheme. Like, I don't want to do blue and white. Um, you know, I don't want to do, like, orange and white. Billy's got that on lock. Uh, Andrew Summers has got blue and red for his brotherhood, so I don't want to do that. I'm just uh, – there's too many choices, but not enough choices. So I'm just kind of, like, blanking out here. Like, I don't even know what model – you know, I'm using Mantic. I want to do a full Mantic army model-wise. Everything's put together. I'm just kind of now stuck on what colors to use. So I've been painting – for that other space game that we're not allowed to mention. I've been painting the orcs for that just to kind of keep painting, but, you know, get something done. Yeah, I know we were talking offline a little a little bit earlier about possible uh, color schemes. I know that can be tough, like, uh, when you're thinking about, like, uh, starting an army. Britain, I know you're always, like, have big-time army ADD. When you're thinking about, like, a new army and you're you're finding miniatures, do you, are you thinking already in, like, color schemes and paint schemes when you're looking at what models you want to use for an army, or does it kind of start with the models first? Uh, for me, it starts with models and theme. And the theme may dictate the color scheme, but it usually doesn't. Um, so, like, I'm thinking basing, and I'm thinking the story... I'm thinking all of that kind of stuff, and then I eventually end up just sort of being like, well, what's a, what's a color that will work with this basing, and uh, go from there. That, that might be it. I haven't really thought of basing. Like, I've got a backstory for it. I'm, 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 as I get older, I'm slowly turning into that narrative fluffy gamer that I used to hate not too long ago. Like, you don't need fluff. You just need to know how to play the game. And it, where I have a problem where I have a whole bunch of armies, like, I don't want to repeat color schemes, so it's like, yeah, so I might have to sit down and just think about basing. Uh, a great thing is that when you do an army, an entire army in a certain color, you learn that color, like, on lock. You can do that color in your sleep. So it's always good to branch out and, like, pick another really strong color to, to get incredible at painting. Because after you've done a few armies each time of, like, changing up the color scheme, you actually find that, like, oh, I have, like, these six colors on lock, and I can now do whatever I want. 
right? Like my my Romans and ogres are are uh, dark red and black, so I'm really comfortable with red. Like I got, like you said, I've got that on lock. When some people look at red and they get really intimidated, I'm like, I got this. Um, my my abyssal doors have done purple and and bronze. When I redid my ogres and mantic, I did bronze armor with a uh, that kind of rich dark red brown for skin. So yeah, now I'm just kind of like, like I said, and I don't want to do blue because that's the official color scheme. I'm like, I don't want to do it. You know, and I think you run into that too, where uh, you start formulating ideas for an army, and then all of a sudden that army becomes really popular. So then you're kind of a lot of people are painting it. So I see what you say about trying to find a unique, you know, something unique you can do. Cool. Well, what about you, Brenton? What have you been up to hobby wise? Uh, I'm painting orcs. Um, I took orcs to masters last year, and I was painting the night before the tournament. So, like, literally, I'm, I'm in Texas in the hotel room with uh, every every lamp in the hotel room pushed together, finishing the army at 3 in the morning. And uh, I told myself I wouldn't do that so that I would only focus on one army this year, which was orcs. And so far, I'm keeping that promise. Um, so I'm just painting uh, odds and ends, extra stuff to add to the army, um, things I didn't have in my very, like, small select this i'm doing spokes spokes right now and uh yeah they're fun it's the whole army is like renaissance themed like they have the big like landschnick sort of slash sleeves puffy coats and all of that and the skulks are the same so one unit has bows and then one unit has a bunch of early early firearms like renaissance era firearms and they're going to work as my skulks as well the other thing i'm working on is terrain for tournament we're running soon so getting into that mode of just like cranking out machine factory style terrain just like get a bunch of stuff done it's it's the exact opposite of how i paint miniatures which is i generally paint miniatures just straight through like pick up a miniature paint all of it move on to the next miniature maybe i do batches of like two or three maybe but when i'm doing terrain it's like okay we're making 20 hills we're gonna make 20 hills at once it's a very different skill set, a very different sort of feeling, and it's been a good sort of break. Yeah, like batch painting can just be like so hard to emotionally like put yourself through. I know you and I have talked about that like a bunch of uh, – I try to batch paint as much as possible until my mind like leaks out my ears, and then I stop and just pick up one and paint the whole thing the rest of the way. I, uh Jesse Burke, who we've had on the show, he's like a really great batch painter. He'll batch paint like 30 models, and it's like, la da 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 da. It doesn't hurt him spiritually like it does me to do that. My orcs just can't do it. Every, every one of them has different colors on it. So, like, while I have a couple purples that I use throughout the army, and the same kind of two reds I use throughout the army, and a couple yellows, and like three different blues. Every every model will have a different combination of that stuff. So I found myself not, like, and I want it to be that way. I want each model to, like, pick up and look at and choose a scheme because they're all sort of dressed entirely differently. So I didn't want to I didn't want to batch paint and get into the mold of, like, well, I'll paint these three coats the same or this pant the same as this coat. Uh, I wanted to give myself that freedom. So I've just been going, like, model by model. Not the fastest, but I think the results are, are good. Yeah, it's a great army. I know a lot of people have seen it. It's sort of uh, known for uh, the custom scratch-built fight wagon that you did. 
um, which was very cool. Which you know, uh, all the guys are playing Kings of War on it. Yeah, it's getting that's getting added to. I'm adding a bunch more little little bits and pieces to that to to kind of blow it out. Awesome, cool. Looking forward to uh, seeing that. I've continued to be working on the Basileans. Um, I have a list locked in, I think, for uh, Bay of Kings, which is coming up at the end of September that we're going to get you guys all the details on later in the show. So that is a 2,000-point tournament. So that's what my list is, and I finally, like, like I want to do the full Monty. I want to do the full Basilean on this tournament. So I came up with, like, a 2,000-point list that I feel I can finish model-wise. So I have to do... Um, Nias and uh, six knights, which are pretty much like 70% done, and then five ogre palace guard. So I got to try to get them to a playable state in just about a month. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking as long as I can get some time in, um, I'm making good progress. Uh, today I've been working on, I'm using for my Nias a mom miniatures elf line rider guy, but I built him up on this like half cyborg resin base and then half like my own construction so that uh nias uh, he's like standing on the top of this like mini hill to sort of really capture that height three feel so that's kind of what i'm going to be working on for the rest of the month is just going to be basilians you know thinking about uh third like what are what my plans are for that but um yeah, I think I think I have it in me to get this done in time. And like Todd Serbico, who we have a bunch of people flying in for Bay of Kings, which we'll talk about later. But he was like, "Can I maybe borrow your undead because I don't want to fly with an army?" And I'm like, "Yes, tell me, commit to that so that I won't have my undead. It's like uh, a fall a fall back, and I'll have to finish the Basilians. So, but that's what I've been working on. Um, so I thought first, um, we've been seeing some cool stuff coming from Mastercrafted with the army reviews and some other stuff. So I thought we haven't had Jesse or Kyle on the show in a while. So Jesse, uh, what can you share with us? I know some stuff you can't share, but what can you kind of share with us that Mastercrafted plan is for going into third edition? Is there anything, uh, you can talk to us about? Well, Kyle being all big time now, you know, he's, Mastercraft is now official state propaganda of Mantic. Now, um, I know a lot of people were worried, you know, when Kyle got hired, like, what's going to happen to Mastercrafted? Um, don't worry. It's not Mantic's fault that we haven't been putting out battle reports. It's life. Uh, Mantic has Kyle hopping. We were talking. We're like, hey, when are we going to get together this month to do battle report? And every weekend he has is is slam full. <laughs> he's either at a trade show or he's flying somewhere. Uh, that happens when you're the only North American employee of a, uh, you know, of Mantic. Right now, it's just uh, it's getting people hyped for third. Um, Kyle's, you know, that was Kyle's idea to to just spoil, like, each faction a little bit, get people hyped. You know, because, uh, I mean, we were, all, we were all there. We all came to this hobby. Well, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us came from this hobby after the world we knew exploded. And, you know, some people... I want to say they have, they have every right to be a little anxious when, you know, this new version has come out. Um, honestly, what I've been telling people is it should probably be called 2.5. We're not reinventing the wheel. You know, it's it's not stuff's a lot of stuff's going to be the same. Um, some stuff's going to be tweaked a little bit. You know, they couldn't just do this in, in a Clash of Kings book. You know, some points have been adjusted. Some things have been some units have been nerfed. Some units have been buffed. Looking through, I can honestly say as a, as a, as a player, as a tournament player, um, there's no army in the book that I'm looking at that where I wouldn't play. 
And I freely admit, there are some armies I have no idea how to play. Like, I, you give me an abyssal army, I have no idea what to do. If I can't punch something in the face and get punched back and punch it again, I, I, I don't know. Abyssal is really good at punching in the face, not so much getting hit back. I, nice starters, I don't have a clue. That's Kyle's baby. Not mine. <laughs> I'm all ogres, baby. Beyond that, pretty we're pretty chill. I'm uh, by the time this comes out, hopefully I will have the ogre um, spoil video out or at least recorded. I know Kyle's just kind of going down the list. Uh, the new book's coming out with fourteen armies. Like that's a bunch. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people, we were talking about this uh, on a, another show we were recording yesterday, but I think third edition, when you have a new edition like that, not only is it an opportunity to um, tighten the game up, you know, streamline the game or do stuff for like the, your, your, the player base you already have, but I think it's also a good opportunity not only to get new players, but to reintroduce the game to maybe some people who tried it, you know, right at the Sundering, they went and tried early Kings of War 2.0, which was still a great game, but had some issues that were fixed over the next few years, you know, and I think it's a much, a much better game now, and uh, moving into third, you know, uh, even better, so I think it's going to be a cool opportunity not only to get new people, new players, and something fun for p- us who have been playing, but also it's, I think, a good opportunity to reintroduce it to some people who maybe tried it once or twice and were on the fence. A new addition is sort of like a good diving in point yes i'm a mantic fanboy i i i freely admit it but i think people know me well enough to know that i don't pull punches i speak to people as i expect to be spoken to no 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 bs and get to the point you know and if mantic would is messing up i'm i'm the first to, to be out there with a pitchfork and, and, and a torch but with with play testers there's only about 30 of them you know and i mean that's as many people in a tournament and not every person plays every army you know, I look at the ogre list, I knew immediately what had changed. Didn't have to study. I'm like, oh, this, 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 and this. You would have handed me, say, the undead list. I, I don't know what changed. I don't play it. Yeah, when it, when second edition first came out, yeah, they had people play tested it, but you're not going to run into every scenario every time. It took those tournaments. It took uh, a multitude of people playing. So third ed is a, is a culmination of all that. All the the clash of kings. Like this worked. This didn't work. And it's I mean, it's a really it's a better game than second was. You know, and like I said, it, it didn't reinvent the wheel. If it wasn't broke, they didn't try to fix it. If it wasn't broke, they did try to fix it. And I guarantee the first year, we're all going to find some stuff like, ooh, this is broke. And you know what? My classic thing will come out to fix it. Yeah, it's kind of like an interesting way to think about it, which is, you know, uh, they announced third edition and some hubbub was like, oh, they haven't even play tested. And it's like, well, what do you think they've been doing? With what all of us have been doing the last three years. Is like playtesting the game, right? And that's sort of what the Clash of King, uh, can't say cock packs do, is that they were helping us as we move forward, add in those little bits as we were playtesting towards this bigger release. I, I mean, I know, Britton, you and I have talked just between us, but what are your thoughts kind of going into third? Are you excited or what are you thinking? Oh, I'm super excited. Like, I think um, what the Clash of Kings books have shown us is that we have a rules committee that is pretty aligned with the way I want to play the game and what I think is good about the game and what I think is great. And that's not always true um, of a game. Like sometimes you feel like the, the tournament organizers and the sort of organized play 
is at odds with the actual game developers, that the game developers are here making spells that eliminate half an army in the first turn, and, and you're over here trying to make a, a fun, balanced event. So I'm excited to see what the rule committee is able to do with it. I'm excited to see what they're able to do with a sort of more organized third edition compared to the um, sort of half Elysio, half rules committee kind of split for um, second ed. Yeah, I'm, I'm just excited. Yeah, there's going to be some stuff broken, like there always is. It's game design. <laughs> when, when you're nerfing things and buffing others, there's going to be a, a bit there. But, like, we've seen this rules committee take action when it's required. And then the other thing I think is neat is Mantic, and and I'm not always the, the nicest to Mantic about their, their business decisions. Um, you know, some of their model quality in the past has been pretty poor. Their packaging has been awful. You know, these sorts of things. And they've been getting a lot of that together. They've been doing a much better job with their models. A lot of what they're releasing now is objectively just really cool models, uh, not just like, oh, for Mantic or for the price. They're just actually good models that people want to paint and play with. And to sort of get a third edition that kind of lets people take another look at them, who had maybe dismissed them in the past, it, it kind of gives a new edition a chance to, to showcase the, the kind of new Mantic yeah, you know, for, for me, Mantic is really like Mantic before Vanguard and Mantic after Vanguard. I've said that a lot on the show where even if you don't like or are you're not a fan of all the Vanguard, in Vanguard I think you did see a, a general step forward in models, in packaging, in marketing message. I really feel from then on, or not, for, we've seen some real steps kind of hover in or around that Vanguard release. Yeah, I mean, King, Kings of War fans don't want to hear this, but like their boxed games helped helped with that, you know. Like as much as people don't want to say it, like Walking Dead doing really well as a sort of slickly produced packaged product, you know, some of their other stuff. It's like they're becoming stronger as a company. They're becoming stronger uh, with a retail position. Um, they're just doing a better job on all that, and I think third edition is a a chance to capitalize on that. And I'm I'm really happy they went the non Kickstarter route for this, so that we can get the local game stores better involved. You know, and when we had talked to Ronnie in one of our last interviews, he had talked a lot about how the about that. Uh, and if you want to, it's go back to one of the early Vanguard episodes we had with Ronnie talking about the benefits and detriments of. Kickstarter and what it can do and how how close they were to a non-Kickstarter major release. So I'm like you and am really excited to see Kings of War 3rd, which is arguably their flagship game, getting relaunched with retail. Uh, you got to buy it from retail. So I think that that's really cool as well. Um, I'm also, I'm just hyped on a new edition. You know, I kind of like the idea that the meta is going to get blown up and reformed and Everyone's going to be scrambling to find what's good now. I mean, if you look, if you look at a lot of the matchup casts now, if you look at the armies at the big GTs, no one's really building bad armies anymore. Like, ever, everyone's kind of figured out what's good. I mean, there's still armies that pop up that you never saw coming or you see refinements that are nice, but, like, 
2019 has been a year of just people building good, solid armies. And while that's great from like a competitive parity standpoint, I kind of like going back to the old West of people just trying, trying weird stuff and seeing if it sticks. Like when somebody came out with Slip Riders or the, uh, and everybody's like, those are garbage. And then I think it was Brad McKay or somebody came and was like, no, they're really good. And we're like, what? Like, yeah, I'm with you, uh, Brenton, with the, the Wild West where people were just coming out with new units that, you know, those, those diamonds in the rough, the little hidden nuggets of gold. We're like, what is, what are those? And just like, I'm, I'm ready for the debates of like, oh, this army is garbage. And then a good player picks them up and, dominates a gt with it and everyone's like oh that army isn't garbage my bad and like then a year later you look back and that's the strongest army in the game and just no one knew because we didn't all know how all the synergies work yet we hadn't seen it on the table that's it's just an exciting time for any game when a new edition comes out and you're all like racing to get your butt just spending all that time looking through the rule book trying to re-familiarize yourself with stuff yeah it'll just be it'll be an exciting time Especially since it's not just going to be one army list, right? Or one new ar- here's the new army book for release month. It's like that big chunk of armies, just how they do their game. So it's going to be lots of cool uh, stuff. And I don't know, like for me, back in the day, getting a new army book or a new rule book and like looking at it, it's just like has such fond connotations with my younger self that I know when, once I get a copy of that third edition rule book, it's going to be just like chill and and read night so i'm totally excited i'm with you guys uh i'm i'm ready for a new edition i'm ready to kind of see uh some stuff uh maybe some expected stuff some unexpected stuff but i had one question for you jesse i know some of the other popular wargaming channels like mini wargaming or whatever even ash does this on gorilla miniatures people will come by like locals or out of town guys or how is master crafted if like a fan who's in your area wants to do like a battle report with you guys and has like a fully painted army is that something you guys are open to to having guest people come and face either you or face kyle i know you had community pat on there uh in the past what's your what's master crafted thoughts on having guest players kyle super chill about it he you know if you want to come up to us because we film in his basement if you want to come up and play kyle let him know me i'm all over the place all the time uh you can come to my house uh it's kind of weird um my garage is dirty because we're all where all my models are i don't know if anyone's looking to buy a bunch of hero clicks i have a bunch i'm trying to get rid of <laughs> but um <laughs> solicitating on counter charge um yeah i mean just reach out to us just message us um, I have no problem. Uh, uh, Dan, I can never pronounce his last name, but he has those Roman undead Romans. Uh, I met him up in Morgantown. You know, drove three hours for a game because you know what else am I going to do? That was also summer vacation. Um, but yeah, Kyle's all the time. You know, if if right now, like I said, his schedule's crazy, but yeah, if he's got an open day, yeah, man, just uh, message him. He'll give you directions. I mean, that's how I started filming with him. He uh, sent me a message. Said, hey, you want to play? And I was like, sure. Yeah, I think that just is cool. If there's someone who has like a nice army or something that will film well, you know, maybe they want to come, you know, get a game in or whatever it might, you know, uh, be something fun to do. So uh, I got to make sure that if I'm ever at that part of the country, we can have a, a Masters 2018 second warm up game rematch live on Mastercrafted. I do owe you a butt kicking. You got lucky. I mean, you played really good and had good dice, and I had good dice. I didn't play good, but it's 
you got lucky. You still almost, like I said, you you still almost uh, uh, Bobby Fishered me there at the end when you're like, okay, this little flag guy is gonna go over here, stand on this objective. This flag guy is gonna back up, stand on this objective, and uh, I may win. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm really good at that. You can ask a whole lot of people to play me. I am the king of that. Turn five, you're like, all right, I got this, and I'm like. Go here, go here, go here, go here. Uh, if we go another turn, I win. If we don't, I tie. And then you're like, what? Um, one thing I do want to throw out is um, you talk about you know the new edition and people wanting to play. Um, the only way this game gets bigger is if we build communities. And Wayne at Hard Knocks Game said it best. He's like, this game is good, but the community's better. And if your local shop isn't doing Kings of War, um, you know, go in there and play. Go in there. Um, take your models, get a buddy. When people see it being played, they'll want to play. And uh, if your shop doesn't carry it, tell them, to tell them shoot, shoot them towards Kyle. Kyle is fantastic at his job, and I'm not saying that as his buddy. I say that as a person who's worked retail, who's worked sales. Kyle's fantastic at his job, and um, he's willing to work with shop owners to get them what they want slash need. You know, he's not going to try to push anything on them. He's not going to be like, well, we've got like $500 worth of you know Star Saga. If the shop owner doesn't want it. Kyle will work with them. Yeah, man, that, that's my uh, obligatory Kyle's awesome speech. No, and that's a good point, right? You got uh, for a game to exist and to grow, you're gonna you always have to be adding new people because there's always people moving off. I mean, this is something you know, uh, Brendan can speak to well. We had in our local community, we had two of the main kind of community guys besides Brendan and myself. They both moved away in the same year. And that really hurt us in that, you know, you got to be trying to add people as people leave. Unfortunately, it's just it's a cyclical nature. People are coming and going. And that sort of, you know, play where you, uh, you know, pay where you play, you know, buy your stuff in a game store, but also try to use that stuff in that game store. So um, we've been trying to do it uh, here in the Bay Area as much as we can. It's like the play in stores. Something I do at my local shop. Is I do a once a once a month tournament, like the first week of the month, just like welfare. We have a tournament. Sometimes we got four guys, sometimes we got twelve guys, and um, usually shop owners cool. I make my guys pay like five bucks. You know that that secures the table in case you have people around the games. Like oh, we need this table. Like sorry, my people pay. They're using it. And my shop's cool. They turn around and give a prize for it. First place gets like fifteen. You know store credit. I always um they always donate a thing of dice to whoever gets last place because it's always you know the dice's fault. As far as building community, I always bring you guys up, especially the West Coast, because I remember the first Masters, uh, you guys had the Merc. I forget how many you had the Merc. Was it four? Um, that I wasn't there the first Masters. I know the the second Masters are would have been, yes, the second Masters uh, we had where I was involved with. We had only two in region people, so we had six. I I did not do real well, but I Merc for the West the very first Masters. Um, cause it was one of those deals where they're like, Hey, we need some people to Merc and like me and three buddies from West Virginia are like, sure, we'll go. You guys have done a, a whole lot in the, in the West coast, building the scene up. You know, I'm bragging you guys a lot, even all the way over here in West Bogdan. Well, we've done our best, you know, Britain and I have kind of tried to, in our communities are try to be a part of the bigger community in an effort to grow our smaller community in that, you know, 
and now Britain can can speak a little bit about Bay of Kings. Um, so why don't I think it's a good segue, Britain? So why don't you talk a little bit about Bay of Kings, which is our next tournament, and sort of kind of how you envision it to to be a tournament and the the greater scheme scheme of things. Why don't you speak a little bit to like our local challenges and how you hope the Bay of Kings will fit in and kind of get us moving in the direction we want to go? Yeah, sure. So first of all, like the 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 simple logistics of it is. Bay of Kings is a 2,000-point Kings of War Grand Tournament played over two days in Northern California um, in the Bay Area. We're, uh, this year, we are in a game store in Mountain View, which is just south of San Francisco, so in between San Francisco and San Jose, um, and it's on September 28th and 29th. Um, it's a travel-friendly event, so we start at 10 a.m. on the Saturday, and we will end... We just do five games, so we only do two games on the Sunday, which means if people need to catch a flight out or get in a long car ride, that they're not, you know, at the venue till five or six listening to an award ceremony, then we we only do two games on the Sunday and then let everyone kind of shop around, congratulate, pack up their stuff, talk a bunch of crap and, and roll out. It's using sort of standard Clash of Kings, uh, 20 mil system with attrition modifier. Uh, so it's pretty straightforward. All of the kind of details about it are on bayofkings.com. But that's, that's kind of the like surface level bit. The, the next part Jeremy was talking about is that we've been, been pushing hard to build a Kings of War community in the sort of Northern California Bay area. Um, this is an area that had an extremely strong, you know, national presence within the old sort of Warhammer community, and that just did not survive uh, when that game went away. Uh, some people dropped out of gaming, some sort of went and played other games, but there was just not an appetite for Kings of War. So we we don't have a sort of built set of Warhammer refugees to to call upon. Um, we've had to kind of scrape and fight and contact and demo and, and do all of this stuff just to get enough people to even play just, just for like normal game nights. Um, an example we sort of think about is in some communities here, or especially in, in the UK, uh, if you want to get involved in Kings of War, you, you kind of just have to decide you want to be involved in it. And there is a sort of river of content and tournaments and people and local players that you just need to decide if you want to jump into. When Chairman and I have talked about it, it's if we want a Kings of War community here, there is nothing to do but sort of create it ourselves. You know, if there's a river somewhere else, someone could just jump into here where we're digging a well, we're bricking it, we're, <laughs> we're doing every little bit just to keep this little bit alive. And this grand tournament we thought was an important part of that. Uh, we just wanted our own grand tournament. We wanted something we could be proud of, something we didn't have to travel to, and we wanted to see if it could work. So the first year, we had a small number of players. The second year, we had a small number of players again, but it was almost entirely different players than the first year. And then this year, sort of through tireless travel efforts of Jeremy and me sort of getting my, my stuff together a little better, we're looking probably at around 24 players for this year. So uh, a huge uptick from previous. Um, so that's really exciting. In terms of, like, we still only have a small number of players locally coming to this. Most of those numbers are being made up by 
uh, contingent traveling from Texas. We have Jesse traveling from wherever in the country. He, West Virginia, is that where you're at? Well, we call it West by God around here. Um, yeah, I'm going I'm to do my very best. If my schedule shakes out, I should be good. I'm just calling it God's country. We have we have Jesse coming from God's country. We have uh, folks coming down from the Pacific Northwest. We have a contingent there. We have a bunch of folks coming up from Southern California, which even though it's the same state, it's a you know depending where they're coming from is an eight to eight nine hour drive up, which on the East Coast would cover four states. Uh, so we have a much larger traveling contingent than we do local which makes for a really, really interesting tournament if you travel to it. Because if you travel to it, you're going to see people from sort of all over the area. Instead of walking into like a formed meta with a group of tight-knit players that all know each other and you're the sort of outsider, this is really like a mixing, like a salad bowl of people just showing up and all, you know, all good people, all solid players, and just ready to have a good time. As we sort of looked at it, and Jeremy, we talked about this a bunch we're like, if a bunch of people are traveling for this, how how can we better support it being like a travel GT? Um, so a whole bunch of folks are all staying in an Airbnb that, like, I think Jeff and Jeremy worked out and, and scouted out and figured out. So there's going to be kind of like a, a party house before the GT and during it. We're going to have a social event Saturday where we all go out to dinner and in a sort of downtown area nearby that gives us dinner and then nearby are drinks, bars, desserts, whatever people want to grab so they can keep it going. Um, Jeremy's organized like a wine tasting on the Friday for people to come up with their partners and, you know, sort of have a, have a chauffeured trip around wine country. There's going to be board games being played. There's going to be, I always bring donuts in the morning. There's great lunch options around. We really just, the vibe for it is just like a chill, fun grand turn event where everything's sort of taken care of and, and you're just there to play and have a good time. Yeah, you, you, you know, the Bay Area is a really beautiful place. So we thought of trying to, you know, uh, capture that in our event. And also, since it is a travel event, making it spouse partner friendly. So like Britton said, we're going to be staying at a very nice, it's like a main house plus a guest house uh, Airbnb we have about 14 or 15 uh, people set to uh, stay there. So there's going to be couches, beds, air mattresses, uh, corner suites. It's going to be a lot of fun. And on that fr- Friday, I have rented a van, and I will be the designated driver, um, driving about seven people uh, through looking at Napa Wine Country. We're going to this one winery that's like this giant castle. Um yeah, so we're really trying to make Babe Kings as like a, a travel-worthy event just because we're just never going to be able to get 20, 25 local people. It's just very difficult in our in our group. Our, our, it's just very difficult in our region with all the stuff going on and people's game preferences to try to build that. So we're really working on making uh, Bay of Kings – as travel friendly as possible so we could get people from other regions Um, it's a dual qualifier with a pacific northwest so we do a lot of dual qualifying tournaments with them so uh, a couple of their major events are counted as in-region events for the west and then some of our events are counted as in-region for their scores so bay of kings is that it's a dual qualifier so that's why we got a good group amount from pacific northwest coming down 
yeah, so it's going to be total fun. And like Jesse said, hopefully, knock on wood, uh, he will be able to uh, come because uh, you have a little challenge on the table, don't you? I do. I have Mr. Jeff Swan. The, the ego duck. Right, the ego duck. For some reason, he, he's going to be adorable. He thinks he's going to use nature and actually win. Um, I mean, that is just adorable. Um I'm either bringing ogres or I'm really considering bringing Romans just so Brandon will have to watch me use crushing strength and Falcon. Just that, that might be worth just bringing them for that. Just, just see the smoke coming out of his ears. Right. As I, as I'm like on defense six from shooting. Oh, excuse me. I have crushing strength also because, you know, the gladius, you know, it was a powerhouse swinging weapon, you know, like that overhead shot with, you know, with a butcher knife. It's devastating. It's devastating. So just just to let you know, Jesse, uh, I have had three people contact me about challenges um, for the event. Like, we totally allow round one challenges. I, I think they're great. I think um, I'll go on my little challenge spiel in a minute. But I've had three people contact me about challenges, and all of them have been about challenging you. <laughs> so I don't know what you've done out there. But everyone wants to beat you, and most of them were like, "I hope he brings his Romans so that I can beat those." They want to. They want to kiss the ring. Well, the Romans went four and two at a Sword of Kings. I lost on a, a no lie bottom of turn six snake eyes to Andrew Summers, but I had like five rolls go my way that should have never gone that way, and I lost to Keith Randall's elves because I can handle shooting or I can handle fast, but I can't handle shooting and fast, but. Yeah, Rome's uh, Rome. I'm just gonna start making club banners, and uh, my legions will just hang those up as captured standards. So if people want to step up, that's fine. I love adding to my collection. I ain't scared. Um, the thing, so yeah, we definitely allow challenges. Um, I think maybe in other games, challenges could be something else. But what I find in Kings of War is that. Uh, challenges are amazing for two things. One, they give the opportunity for challenges to be online. And I, I love, I love a little bit of internet beef. I love the, the Texas style challenge propositions. I love the Nick Williams and, and Billy Kapka and video montage challenges. I love all of that. So more challenges, the better. The other thing I love about challenges is they're very rarely actually people that that don't like each other. It is almost always just a way to guarantee that you get to play someone that you've wanted to play or haven't had an opportunity to play, or you've, you've missed in a GT or you had a great game with in the past. So it's just that chance to sort of say, Hey, out of this field, I know my game one is going to be an awesome experience with this, this person. So yeah, if, if anyone who is listening to this is going to the tournament and wants to throw out a first round challenge, uh, just do so. Throw it, throw it up on social media, or contact me, or or do do either. I don't care. I just love to see them. So. And if and if people got extra models, bring more Romans. I can play. I'll play four games simultaneously. Rome Rome marches and never stops. I mean, if if, if, if I, you don't bring them, if you don't bring them, let me know, and I may I may make the ringer army <laughs> Romans just to just to see how that goes. We'll see. I brought them to Lone Wolf. They're the easiest to travel with. So I, I may bring Rome. Rome will march on California. <laughs> and then you can, uh, that's what you got to do. You got to just get like a little banner, you know, with uh, all your defeated foes. But 
yeah so if you're curious about uh bay of kings you know you can reach out to britain on facebook you can reach out to myself um like i said we're really trying to make it a very travel friendly tournament and one that um right off the bat you're kind of included in, in the group and that's kind of like the great thing about you know even if we grow bay of kings it's probably always going to be on the below you know the t- ideally 25 to 35 maybe but i think when you're in the 20 to 30 range person those tournaments are really fun because it's a big enough feel that you capture that playing in a tournament feel but small enough that the group can sort of stay together and you don't have offshoots, so when you go out to dinner, you can kind of all be together. So I, I really like playing tournaments in that sort of 20, 20 to 30 range. It's a, They're fun events, even though they're not super huge. Yeah, absolutely. And and the goal is, you know, we're doing this every year around this time. This is the, the gap in the sort of tournament schedule, which is it's a tight tournament schedule when you look at it. Um this is sort of our gap. We're going to do sort of late September. The weather is still beautiful out here, but it's not oppressively hot. Um, so it's a good time to just sort of have it. If you're not looking at it ne- this year, you know, we're, we're happy to have people come out the, the following year and help, help us keep grow- growing this thing, play some people maybe you've just uh, listened to on the podcast or you've, you've seen online. Um, you know, we have a lot of good painters, a lot of good modelers. It's going to be cool armies, um, skilled players, but also, you know, right now I think I'll have to check the the list again. But right now we're pretty much certified. There's it's all like good people. It's all solid players that are going to give you a good time. So yeah, yeah, you know, and it's one of those smaller events that you can travel that's going to have like some, you know, a fair amount of masters caliber slash you know people from the community that you can meet and have fun and get to know and stuff so i think that's the you know the one benefit of traveling around to tournaments and i think that if you are uh running a tournament and you're wanting that tournament to grow the more that you can travel and build those relationships and and go to other people's events and say hey why don't you come to my event i mean i think a lot of people are more likely to come to your event if you made the time to go to theirs I just write about their events. <laughs> that's that's my crutch. I'll just I'll just write about everyone's events on the on the internet and hopefully they will like me. Yeah, and then like Britton said, like we mentioned it earlier, but if you haven't checked out Dash Twenty Eight, um, why don't you br- briefly, Britton, kind of you have one kind of popular series talking about sort of the state of the meta. Why don't you touch a little bit before we get out of here on what you've been doing for Dash Twenty Eight? Sure, yeah. So Dash28 is a community Kings of War website um, created, I don't know the full history, I apologize if I get this wrong, um, but I think it was sort of Jake Jake's idea from Unplugged, and he talked with Mike Adkins, um, and they threw something together and started sort of publishing content. Um, the name Dash28 comes from the sort of zombie legion uh, nerve. Um and at Masters, I chatted with Jake and just said, hey, I'm sort of interested in, in throwing some stuff up and, and writing for you guys. And he, he was super welcoming. Um, I pitched some ideas to them, uh, like I always do, which is once I get something in my head, I just throw a whole bunch of ideas at it and sort of landed on just a niche of uh, sort of light data analysis around what the what the game is doing. 
So I sort of compiled a data set that had all of the major GTs, you know, players, army, result, and um, result being battle score, uh, what they were playing. And then we got lists from everyone we could. I think out of all the major GTs played, there's only one where we're sort of missing all the lists for. And that that's no fault of the TO. It was just the first year he was running it, and he didn't do lists in advance, so he didn't have digitized lists. Um, and from that data set, I've just been sort of doing really light data analysis to find out who's playing what, what's most popular, what's winning, what's overperforming, underperforming, and just looking at sort of interesting list trends that that flow through there. Um, and people have responded really well to that, which is good. Um, you know, I guess nerds nerds like charts. Who knew? Um, so yeah, if you look on the website, there are a ton of people doing really amazing, like creative content, running campaigns, doing army slow grows, writing fiction, doing all of this really interesting, amazing stuff. And then I'm over in a corner with graphs and charts and numbers, and that's sort of my niche. So. I'll jump in real quick. I'm super picky about what what content I digest, unlike food, if you've ever seen me. Um, so, like, it, it's got to be pretty well done or it's got to have a cool, you know, so give me a reason to pay attention to it. And I don't say this because Brenton's on the cast. I don't say this because other people listen to it. I like Dash 28. Uh, I really got into the battle reports they're doing right now with their little narrative campaign, which I'm hoping and begging I get to be in the next one. Uh, I love I love the graphs and charts. I love the state of the meta as a tournament player. I'm always interested in what the meta looks like. Um, like Dash 28 it is legit. Like I enjoy when it's got updates. I I try to devour it as devour it as soon as possible. I just pretend it's a digitized pizza. Um, so yeah, man, another thumbs up for me for for Dash 28. Like it is good stuff. Yeah, I know, and I know Jake is always. I think they're open to new ideas. So if you if you're a fan of Dash Twenty Eight now and you want to uh, write for it, you know, just reach out to Jake. I, I bet he'd be happy to take a look at a project or whatever. So yeah, and then the other important thing is that um, absolutely, if you want to write, like get in contact. I'm sure they would they would love to have you. Um, the other thing is like if you don't want to write but you want someone else to do something throw it over. Like if there's something that you feel is like an uncovered piece or an interesting question, like a lot of times that will be what fires someone imagination on the writing team and they can go and like do it. Um, I know we all have millions of projects on the go all the time. Um, so it's, it's okay to say you're not also a blogger. Um, but you think something would make a cool article or you think something would make a cool opinion piece or there's a question you want to answer and you don't know how to go about it. Feel, feel free to toss that over and, you know, let, let me know, let Jake know, let someone know, and it might fire up someone's imagination and they'll, there'll be an article out of it that you didn't even have to write. <laughs> and I, and I'm happy to give credit on anything. So no, that's a great idea. You know, we've been doing, we have a whole long list for counter charge of, uh, audience submitted topics and Rob and I, we've done a couple episodes where we do two or three, like, rapid fire, where we record a couple uh, responses, kind of our thoughts on those topics. So Britain is ac- uh, completely accurate. You know, send in those ideas, you know, to, uh, to him, to Dash 28, or to us, or you, you know, want a series of uh, Mastercrafted videos where Jesse is in costume. Uh, I would like that, personally. I love you, but I'm not dressing up as an Avis. It ain't happening. 
<laughs> I was just going to say, I got to get an Avis costume and send it to you, and then you could wear it for your special Halloween episode. I love Look, it. Look, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that I think there's going to be a lot of Basilian armies out there in the next year. And one way to stand out is cosplay. Uh huh. Just like uh, it's part of your. It's like, bro, why is my appearance score so low? I cosplayed. Your cosplay has your costume has to be part of your appearance. If your if your costume has LEDs, even better. Oh, then now we're gonna okay. You're, I'm gonna go to an event with a regular costume, and then uh, they're gonna start doing LEDs, and then Billy's gonna have like. He's going to craft his own metal with an anvil and a hammer, and the next thing you know, it's just going to be out of control. Another thing, for arms race. That's how it is, the hobby's arms race. Yeah. No, you know, I could cosplay as an abyssal warlock, you know, not not the one on the back, but the one carrying it. And uh, we just need to find a small person just on my back, yeah. and they could throw the dice. Find some, find some kid player and Master Blaster that. And then have the little kid wear one of those fathead, like, pictures of Kyle's face. So Kyle could be like the little goblin riding you. That would be funny. Or even better, I can cosplay as everyone's favorite picture. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, you know, I, I still feel like uh, uh, we got to get some um, dramatic readings of the uh, – uh, what was that? The TV show that we did? The, the Gigante, Sweaty Gigante High. Sweaty Gigante from High, yes. Well, we we were on After Dark once, and we came up with this whole uh, storyline for uh, like Beverly Hills 90210, but it was Sweaty Gigante High, and there was Sweaty, and then there was the the what was it? The Twilight King on a black dragon was like the football player star, and everyone was trying to get the green lady to like them. Or oh man, we it was awesome. Yeah, the 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 Phoenix was the geeky hot chick. Showbig was the star quarterback. The bone giant, like the the idiot, like lineman who's on the football team with Showbig. This is the magic of what uh, uh, can happen on After Dark. I mean, Britain came up with salamanders with the lacrosse team. <laughs> like the preppy, the preppy kids. Oh man, that's funny. I want to thank both of you guys for coming on the show. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, make sure to check out Mastercrafted Gaming YouTube channel. They have a bunch of great battle reports. You can go where you know they have a. Uh, over the last few years, tons of great content. So thanks, Jesse, for coming on. I want to thank Britain for coming on as well. So make sure you check out Dash 28. Yeah, and then I wanted to give a, a quick shout out to a couple uh, companies that are helping us out with prize support. RGD Gaming, who is a tireless helper of the community and Kings of War, is going to help us out with some stuff. And they're, they want everyone to keep an eye out for their upcoming, like, Kickstarter for uh, possibly doing hard plastic centaurs, which would be awesome. Um, and then Watchful Eye Studios, which does a great uh, ancient Chinese fantasy and historical army figures. Um, and then we're looking, there's some more support coming in from a few other companies that I'll, I'll put up on the website once we have everything nailed down. Um, a bunch of different prize support coming in from all over. But those two companies were really quick to jump on board and, and always seem to be up for helping out the Kings of War community. So that's RGD Gaming and uh, Watchful Eye Miniatures. Yeah, we and we've had both those guys on the show before. I know uh, Rob had an interview with the main guy from Watchful Eye. Um, and um, 
there's real they're really cool models. I know a lot of people have done sort of like a Empire of Dust or kind of like Terracotta Warrior stuff, you know, like those done some really cool stuff uh with those models. So it's both like so both companies are doing something that I find exciting. One is uh Watchful Eye is doing one of my favorite things, which is you take actually well researched, like cool historical figures and you mix it with the same style but fantasy. So you can make really great like historically inspired fantasy armies um so you have the real troops the real sort of historically researched period equipment and then you have you know a giant dragon and uh food like reanimated food dogs with with riders as your large cavalry so it can it can make like that awesome mix of you get to sort of paint your historicals but also play them realistically in in the fantasy game um, and then RGD is doing something really cool, which is just independent companies making hard plastic models is, is a huge step forward for the industry. Um, I'm a big fan of the little guys of the sort of bootstrapped companies that are putting out their own stuff and the better access they have to sort of high end technology and high end models that people expect and want, um, like the better, the more options we have as miniatures gamers um to sort of go outside the standard like gw realm like we're gonna see a whole bunch of really cool beastman armies that don't have to use gw as their line troops and and that's awesome so both of them are doing doing cool stuff yeah uh like you said the more hard plastic we can get being a lover of hard plastic i'm totally on and like you said it's filling cool niches but with like real high quality products rgd gaming has put a lot of renders out and stuff concerning sort of what they're working on which is like the sort of fawns centaurs a lot of stuff satyrs rgd they're working on a lot of stuff sort of revolving around that uh that nature narnian sort of feel so definitely check those out um what about you, Jesse? You have any shout outs or anything coming up on your agenda that you want to talk about? No, I'm pretty chill. It's getting to that time of year. Everything's crazy school wise. So I'm, I'm just laying back. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the show, guys. And remember, always keep counter charging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Counter Charge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.